Welcome to the Whitefields Community Church Podcast. For more information about our church, including location and service times, visit us online at whitefieldschurch.com. If you are blessed by this message, please consider sharing it with others and leaving a rating or review on your favorite podcast app. me to Isaiah chapter 61. Over the last number of weeks, Pastor Nick has been preaching through a series of messages from Isaiah the great prophet. He asked me if I would come today and wind this all up because he'll be beginning a new series as soon as he gets back in town. So this will be the conclusion of what we've been studying together in Isaiah. And I'm going to read from the ESV And if you have your Bibles, I hope you will. You'll get them out because we'll be referring to a number of Scripture today, and most of that will be on the screen behind you. So, with my youthful eyes, I'll put my glasses on so I can see the Scripture. Isaiah 61, we'll just read three verses. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. A writer of religious literature not long ago introduced Dr. or interviewed Dr. Jonathan Master. He was getting ready to write a long article, which I read, and he was entered interviewing him to get a viewpoint on a number of things. And the first question that he asked him so that he could write was this question. What is one of your biggest concerns in terms of what the church faces today? When you look at the church, when you look at the worldwide community of believers, what is the one thing that pops into your mind that is of the greatest concern today for the church? And Dr. Masters answered it this way, and I'll quote. He said, we, may, we face many dangers today. The church is always susceptible to false teaching, worldliness, pride, and prayerlessness. But I have a particular concern today, and that for our lack of confidence in the sufficiency of Scripture. We don't look to our Bibles or trust them. Yet God has given us what we need in the Bible. It teaches us how to worship correctly. It shows us the glory of Christ and the way of salvation. It provides a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. And we seek to, as we seek to live lives pleasing to God, we would be in the dark without God's word. Let me ask you a question. 
When you pick up your Bible and get ready to read your Bible, what do you think about? What are you holding in your hand? What is it that this means to you? When you grab your Bible, open it to wherever you're going to open it, what do you think about? What is it? What does it mean to you? What is it to you primarily? What is this Bible to you and to me? That's what he's talking about. What do you remember? What do you think about? The Bible is contained in 66 individual books written over about 1,500 years by about 40 authors in three separate languages. And yet through all of that, down through time immemorial, there's one central theme about one central person, and that person is Jesus the Christ. And so when I pick up my Bible, I need to know that I'm studying the Jesus book. It's a book about Jesus. It's a book for Jesus. It was written by Jesus. It has a supreme value stated in the life and the work of one man, God, man, Jesus. So from Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, to Revelation chapter 20, verse 21, all we're talking about is Jesus. And if we can keep that central theme before us, it keeps us from wandering off course, from getting into a place that we never want to be. When we look in the Old Testament, we see Jesus promised. We come to the New Testament and look in the Gospels and we see Jesus revealed. And we come to the letter for the Acts and we see Acts in there in the Acts of the, the Apostles, Jesus preached. And we come to the letters and we see Jesus explained. And we come to the book of Revelation and we see Jesus anticipated. This is a Jesus book. And if we keep that before our eyes, life and our instruction from the scripture becomes crystal clear to us over and over and over again. Jesus came to J Jerusalem and he was crucified on the cross, bloody and beaten and died. They took him from the cross and buried him in the tomb. And then he was resurrected. And immediately he began to beat with different groups, individuals and groups. And it was a stark, astounding thing. And in his resurrection form, he could, he could disguise himself. He could look like this and he could look like that. He always didn't look like himself. Two of his disciples, not apostles, but two of the disciples left Jerusalem and walking home about six or seven miles to the west, northwest of Jerusalem, a little place called Emmaus. And they're walking along and they're talking about everything that they had seen and heard about in Jerusalem that had just taken place. And Jesus walked along beside them and they didn't recognize him. He didn't allow that. And as they're walking along talking, he's listening to them. And he says, ask the question, what are you talking about? And it was almost like they said to him, have you been living under a rock someplace? You don't know what's been going on in Jerusalem. And then they kept on walking and suddenly he stopped and began to talk with them. And he said this, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things about himself. What was he saying? He was saying, the Bible is going to be written and you're going to open it one day and you're going to look back to you and me and I want you to know this is the book about 
Jesus. In all the scripture, it's a book about Jesus. Now, when we come to Isaiah, Isaiah was a prophet. He's looking forward. Five or six hundred years before Christ, he begins to write. And he's looking forward. He's talking about the Messiah. He doesn't know who he is. He doesn't know what his name is going to be. He doesn't know who his mother on this earth is going to be. He doesn't know his four brothers. He doesn't know his sisters. He knows almost nothing about him other than the fact that he's going to be the Messiah. And so he writes, but you and I have such a tremendous advantage over Isaiah because we can stand here and we can look back and we can look at his prophecy and then we can see how that prophecy was fulfilled and we can put the pieces together that Isaiah had no idea about. But he begins now in Isaiah 61 verse 1 trying to identify, bringing to identification the Messiah Jesus. And this is what he writes in verse 1. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. So he begins where he begins. Did you see it? He begins with the Trinity. He begins with the Trinity. You notice the spirit of the Lord God. That's the Holy Spirit. In your Bibles, the spirit should be capitalized. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of the Lord God is upon. Now we know who the me is. It's autobiographical, isn't it? Jesus is saying to him, talk about me. The spirit of the Lord is upon whom? Upon Jesus. And then we see the father because the Lord, is it capitalized in your Bible? Lord in your, in your Bible should be because out of the Hebrew, when we're trying to translate the word Yahweh into some kind of pronunciation, it's always capitalized Lord. So we see the spirit, we see the son, and we see God, the Father, the Spirit, the Lord God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, is upon me, the Son. And as the Son, I'm yielding to, to the God, the Father. We're just two or three days away from this delightful holiday. Oh, when, when I think about Halloween, I, it just gives me chills. When I grew up, Halloween was so much fun. Back in the ancient of days, it, it, was just, it was just fun. I mean, it wasn't gore and goo and cutting people's heads off and splattering blood all over the place. Mom would gather us together and, and, and she would lay out our costumes that would be, it would be this grocery sack and that grocery sack and this grocery sack. And she would cut out little ovals on the side so it fit over our shoulders and then she'd feel for eyes and we'd cut those out and we would go out and trick or treat. It was just a blast. We had so much fun. It was just fun. I didn't even know what trick meant. All I knew was the treats. I didn't care about anything. I just wanted the candy. And if somebody had said, what are you going as? I would have said, grocery sack. That's what I'm going as. <laughs> Years ago, two or three kids came to our door. We two of them at that point. And it was a little girl. She was about probably about that big, and I don't know, she was seven or eight years old, and she was all dressed up in her costume, and I had a, I, she rang, they rang the doorbell, her little brother was with her, and, and I had the candy, and I walked out there, and I looked at her, and I said, and what are you? And she said, I am a princess. I said, you are so cute, so I gave her a candy, and I looked at her brother, he was about that big, he was probably, what, four, three and a half, four years old, something like that, and I looked at him, and I said, and what are you? 
And he did this. He went, he said, I can't remember. Uh, I just can't remember. And I thought, this is so good. I gave him double candy. I said, you, you deserve more than the, all the rest. There may be a time when we can't remember that the Bible is the book about Jesus, but we need to mark it down, put it in the flyleaf, do something. So when you open your Bible and you look and you're, you know, when I was reading through the Bible for the very first time in the old King James Version, right after I had been saved and had never read the Bible in my life, I did great in Genesis. I loved Exodus. I saw all the battles and all of that. And then I ran into Leviticus and it staggered me. And when you get to numbers, it just staggered me again. I wish I had known. I wish somebody had said to me, what are you? And I would have said, I am reading the Jesus book. I hope you never forget that. Isaiah is saying to you, this is Jesus identification. And then he turns to Jesus' qualifications quickly in the, in the last part of verse 61 when he says, Because the Lord has anointed me, the God-man Jesus came to this earth to be born of a woman, taking his Godhead and coming to the earth and assuming a human character, a human nature. And he became the God-man, anointed by the Holy Spirit. Have you ever wondered how Jesus raised the dead? how he performed the miracles, how he did all of those things that he did, how he knew what he knew. He became a man just like you and me. He was just like us exactly, except he had no sin. But the power that came to him, the power that came, came from the anointing of the Holy Spirit because the Lord has done what? Anointed me. Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit for the mission of the Messiah. Now, in the Old Testament, kings were anointed, prophets were anointed, and the New Testament, apostles were anointed, all going for, all being empowered for special service. And so the God-man Jesus was empowered by the Father, by the Holy Spirit, for his ministry. You remember at his baptism, his cousin was baptizing, and he came down, and he said, John baptized me, and John said, nope, that shouldn't be that way. It should be the other way around. And Jesus said, no, let it be like this for right now. You baptize me. And when he said that, the heavens opened and he looked up and God the Father rained down his voice and said, this is my son. And the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove came floating down and came to Jesus and did what? Anointed him to preach the gospel to you and me. So he identified Jesus, the Messiah, he qualified Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. And here's where we'll spend our time. Finally, number three, Jesus' implementation of the gospel ministry in verse one and two. Now, you remember when Jesus was speaking to Zacchaeus? You remember that little song? I was, I've been trying to remember it, as, and I just can't get the whole words to it. Do you remember the little song we used to sing all the time? Do you remember it? No, you don't. You remember it? You want to come up here and sing it? No? Okay. <laughs> Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree, and that's where I lost it. What's the rest of it? When he climbed into a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see? 
please do not join the choir when it comes up here for the do you see what they never I've never been asked one time to join the choir not once Jesus went to Zacchaeus house after Zacchaeus climbed up into the tree the Lord he wanted to see whatever it was and, and, he, and, and Jesus said, and salvation has come to the house. He was a wicked man. He was, he was vile. He was cheating people. And he said, I'll pay them back. I'll do better, Lord. And Jesus said, salvation has come to this house. And then he concluded that in Luke 19 by saying, for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He began to implement the ministry which God gave to him. Now, Isaiah points out, Five different areas of ministry for the Lord. And you ought to write these down. Five different areas of ministry for the Messiah himself. And the first one is this. He says, Jesus came to be a preacher, to bring good news to the poor, a preacher. I want to be very serious here and I want to be careful here because you're going to think that I'm being hypercritical and I'm not. The church today is suffering a drought preachers. It's not that we don't have preachers. And we have jillions of preachers. It's not that we don't have enough preachers. I'm saying to you, we don't have, we have too many preachers. And folks, I, I tell you this from the depths of my soul. If a man cannot preach, he needs to leave the pulpit, go get an education, figure out how to communicate with people, and then preach the gospel. One of my dearest friends, 40 years ago, looked at me, he was pastoring, had been pastoring a very conservative church in the north. And he came to me and it was almost a semi-argument when he said to me, Roy, you've got to factor in all of the myth that's in the Bible. I mean, you don't believe that Genesis story. That's just a story. It's myth. You don't believe this about the mirror. You can't believe that. And he just based his entire ministry on that. And I looked at that and I wanted to weep. Do you realize how liberal the theological seminaries are today? It is unbelievable. They would carve Jesus out of the Bible. They would bring the world into the, into the classroom. And that's being taught across the seminary lines in almost every seminary. And I don't want to be ugly, but I'm saying to you, the primary mission of the Savior was to do what? Preach the gospel. You can't imagine. In a former life, when I was doing church consulting, I met with the leadership of over a thousand churches through the years. You cannot imagine how fortunate we are to have Pastor Nick here, who's educated himself, who's been anointed by God, who loves the scripture, who knows the scripture and brings the gospel ministry to us week by week by week by week. Jesus said, I am ordained to bring the good news, not to the poor, 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 but to the poor in spirit. The church today needs preachers. Someone who will tell us the truth about sin and dying and death and hell and glory and heaven. We need preachers. That was the primary ministry of Jesus. Secondly, Isaiah says, not only was Jesus going to be a preacher, but he was going to be a healer to bind up the broken hearted. There's not a person in this room or a person who's listening who hadn't had his heart broken 
We've all had a broken heart. If you haven't had a broken heart, just hang on, gang. I'm telling you, you're going to have your heart broken. Someone's going to die unexpectedly. Someone's going to break your heart because they've lied about you. One of your best friends is going to tell somebody else about a confidence that you told to them. Where do you go to have your heart fixed when your heart is broken? Where do you go? Go to, you think you can go to your doctor and say to him, you know, I've got a broken heart. Can you heal my broken heart? I, I mean, emotionally, I'm just sh in shatters. Where do you go to get relief with a broken heart? If you're like my doctor, he'll say, well, we'll get you on the calendar. Come in six weeks from next June and we'll try to work you in someplace and see about your broken heart. It can't be happened. So you go to a psychiatrist. Are they going to fix your broken heart? Give me a break. Are you going to a psychologist? Are you going to some kind of a seance deliverance session? Where do you go to get your broken heart fixed? There's one place. Jesus is a preacher. He's also a healer. Binding up the brokenhearted. If you've got a broken heart today, let me invite you to come to Jesus. Just to come to him. And have your broken heart fixed. Third, Isaiah said that Jesus was going to be the deliverer. Giving liberty to the captives. Opening up the prison to those who are bound. When we're born in this life, we're born in captivity to Satan. We don't have to do anything. We're just bound up. Bound up in sin, bound up in addictions, bound up in habits, bound up in false teachings, bound up in legalism. We're just bound up. Where can you go to be delivered? We come to Jesus. My son owns a business in East Texas. He's a contractor. He's got a contracting business over there. And I was supposed to leave on Thursday to go down there to go fishing. And he called me yesterday and he said, Dad, we got to postpone our fishing trip. And I said, okay, good. I'm good with that. I said, what's up? He said, well, I hired this guy. He just got out of prison. He's supposed to be clean all as well and wanted to do him a good turn. He's got the softest heart, my son does. And, and he said, um, I, have a, I have a truck a pickup that those guys use and, and they can use it, whatever they want to do, just to help them keep it cruising. It's so hard to find people and he said, he said, this new guy said, um, can I borrow the pickup? I need to ride home. He said, well, sure, take the pickup. That's what it's for. And so he stole the pickup, went home, punched his wife, and he's disappeared. Strung out on meth. And I thought to myself, oh, Lord, thank you. We get bound up in so many different ways, but I'm so grateful that I don't have to fight that kind of addiction. But Jesus came as preacher, as healer, and deliverer. And I'm telling you, if you need freed, I don't care what it is. And there's not a person in this room that could look me in the face and say, you know what? Got it all figured out. There's not one thing in my life that's giving me issues. I mean, I, I mean, I got it. I mean, I got it together. No, you don't. And no, do I either. None of us do. But if you want to be free, there's a place to go to get that freedom. Jesus said, I've come to deliver those who are captive. Fourth, he said, preacher, healer, deliverer, comforter to comfort those who mourn. Have you ever mourned? I mean, the pain was so deep. The anguish was so bad. You couldn't even speak. 
You couldn't even get words out of your mouth. The only thing you could do is just lie there and mourn. Well, sure, sure you have. I mean, nobody lives as long as you and I have lived, most of us, that you haven't mourned. That deep anguish that just breaks our soul to comfort those who mourn. When David was writing the 56th Psalm, talking about himself, he said this. He's speaking to God and he said, God, you have kept count of my tossings. Did you ever toss and turn, toss and turn when there was just something on your mind that was just breaking you in two? He said, God, you've kept counting of my tossings. You put my tears in your bottle. God, you captured my tears. Are they not in your book? God looks down and looks at your mornings, your heartbreak, those things that are just tearing you apart. And he looks at that and he knows you and he keeps account of that so he can bless you. King Hezekiah was a godly king. And Isaiah was sent to him. And God told Isaiah, go to King Hezekiah and tell him, you're going to die. Get your stuff in order. And so Isaiah did. And the king fell on his bed. Isaiah, he fell on his bed, turned his face to the wall and began to weep. And he wept and wept and cried out and cried out to God. Oh God, oh God, deliver me. I've tried to live a good life. He cried and cried and wept and wept. And before Isaiah could get out of the courtyard, God came to Isaiah again and said, go back in there and tell Hezekiah, I have heard you. I've recognized you. I'm going to give you 15 more years to your life. I have captured your tears. If you're broken, if you're mourning, I want you to know that you and I have an open door to the one and the only one can break that mourning. He'll be a preacher. He'll be a healer. He'll be a deliverer. He'll be a comforter. Jesus will exchange. This is the great exchange. Beauty for ashes the oil of joy, a garment of praise. The Jews would sit down and put ashes on their head when they were mourning. They would weep. They would put on sackcloth. And Jesus said, I'll exchange all of that for you. I'll give you beauty instead of ashes. I'll take your face and rub it with oil so that the tears go away. And I'll give you a, a garment of praise. And finally, he said this. I'm watching the time closely. He said this. Jesus would not only be preacher and healer and deliverer and comforter, but he also would be a planter. Those that have called upon him would become trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. Have we not had a beautiful fall this year? I don't, I, we've lived in Colorado almost 40 years. I don't think we've ever seen trees and leaves like they have been this year. I mean, it's just been absolutely stunning. Right at the end of our block, Someone planted a few years ago an oak tree. And I, I didn't really remember that oak trees, there's not a lot of them around, that they turned such a stunning, vibrant, deep red color. It's not a very big one. It's probably about that big around and maybe 10 feet tall. But I mean, it is stunning. It looks like it's been lighted. It is so pretty. God is saying to us, I want you to know, I'm not making a weeping willow out of you. I'm going to plant you like an oak tree. You're going to be strong and the wind will come and blow it and you're going to be okay. You'll have deep roots. 
The wind will come, the lightning will flash, the hail will come, but you're going to stand there because I have planted you and they will call you trees of righteousness, tall, strong, the planting of the Lord. Right after Jesus was baptized, he was thrust into the wilderness, as all of you know, and there he was tempted. When he came back from that temptation, he had just heard that John the Baptist had been arrested and was thrown into prison. And that was kind of a, a, a trigger for him. Because then he said, Mark, Mark records, now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee preaching and proclaiming the gospel of God. And here was what he was preaching to summarize everything we've talked about thus far. And saying, the time is fulfilled in other words, it's time for the public ministry of Jesus to be unfolded. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Why? Because the king has come. And then what did he say to us? Repent and believe in the gospel. That was his ministry. Now let me wrap all this up. I want you to turn to Luke chapter 4. And we're going to look just a couple of verses of scripture. Luke chapter 4. It was common in the day of Jesus that when a visiting rabbi came to town, he would be invited on the Sabbath, on Saturday, to come to the synagogue and to explain the scriptures. As so when Jesus came back to his then hometown, Nazareth, on that Saturday, it was his custom to go to synagogue. He went in and they invited him to explain the lesson of the day. They always had something from the law from the Torah, and there's something from the prophets. And this Sabbath, they were to read from Isaiah. And so Jesus came in. He was standing there. The attendant came over and handed Jesus the scroll of Isaiah. He opened it and found in Isaiah the place that you and I read in Isaiah 61. And he began to read. And this is what he read in verse 18, Luke 4, 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recover the sight of the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Now, it was common in those days when, when the rabbi stood to teach, he would, he would put the scroll up and then to teach, he would go over and sit down on a stool or on a bench. And that was the key for everybody else. For then everyone else would sit down, but they sat on the floor. So when you read about they were sitting at the master's feet, that's what they're talking about. He is seated, beginning to teach, and now they're seated on the floor. And after that was all said and done, in verse 21, and Jesus began to say to them, the shortest sermon in all the Bible, this is it. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. You've heard about people who could take 15 minutes of material and preach it in 45 minutes to two hours. 
Jesus did the exact opposite. He said, here it is, and here's my entire message. Today, because Jesus is here, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Why? Because it is a book about Jesus. I want you to pick up your Bible. I want you to look at it. What is it? It's a book about Jesus. Now, the reason I didn't identify with the youth is because one week ago was my birthday. Some of you know I teach the adult Sunday school class right behind this door at 8 o'clock on Sunday morning. You're invited. No, we got plenty of chairs in there. They're so comfortable that some people go to sleep every Sunday morning. Just like clockwork. I, I, I don't even have to look at the clock. I just have to sit there and say, okay, he's asleep. She's asleep. I've got about five more minutes. They're asleep. <laughs> Last Sunday morning was my birthday, and I was presented with a sack of birthday cards. It was really sweet. I mean, it really was. This thing was huge, and it was heavy, just all of these cards. So I took it home and I began to open them one by one by one. And in those cards and in that, in that sack was some coffee from Hawaii. No, you may not have any. A book of Bible crosswords and Bible quizzes. I felt like a blubbering fool after I looked at two or three of them. I said, I can't work any of these things. <laughs> there was um, in one a toothbrush with a little bit of toothpaste. <laughs> True. Uh, there were sweet notes. And there were some other things. And let me tell you why I got these other things. I don't, I don't know where this started. It happened when I was just early on. And I would get up before a group like this, and I would be so, so fearful that my mouth would get so dry I couldn't even speak. And so it became a habit, and I've done this for 900 years. I always carry some Tic Tacs with me, right? There's one of them. And just before I get up, I take a pinch and put it between my cheek and gum. Some of you are snuff dippers, aren't you? I put a pinch, I put that in my, I just put it in my jaw. And that gives me just enough saliva so that I don't get dry. And so I keep a packet of that in a little cupboard off our room back here. I keep a little packet of Tic Tacs. So two or three weeks ago, I went in there to get my Tic Tac out of there to put it in my mouth. I don't want to use these words, but someone stole my dang Tic Tacs. <laughs> and if that was you, please come and see me. <laughs> I will give you money for your own. So I came back out there and think, okay, what am I going to do? Because I know my mouth's now going to get dry. I mean, I don't know whether my mouth will get dry or not. It's just a habit. So I came out and I was just making fun of that because my Tic Tacs were gone. Somebody popped up out of the audience and walked over there and gave me a Tic Tac, and so I put it in my mouth. So this became the deal about Roy and his Tic Tacs. So in this bunch of cards were individually put in the cards Tic Tacs. True. There are 60 Tic Tacs in each packet. I have enough Tic Tacs at the house. It's a true story. I have enough Tic Tacs at the house. If I use two a week, it'll last me for the next 14 and a half years. <laughs> if I discipline myself and just use one Tic Tac, 
I can make it 19 years. No, that's not 29 years. Math was not 29 years. Can you imagine? Those blooming Tic Tacs are going to outlive me by I don't know how much. But there is an end to that. I mean, there is, I'm going to run out of those Tic Tacs one of these days. Probably I'm going to run out of life before I run out of Tic Tacs. You can take the rest of them and just chunk them in the, in the coffin with me and it'll be all right. The point of all of that is this. There's going to be an end to my Tic Tacs as there's going to be an end to my life. You're going to face it. I'm going to face it. And if I tell people all the time, if you have not put dying in your things to do list, go home today and put it in there because it's going to happen to you probably quicker than you would imagine. And that's exactly why Jesus came into this, into this world to let us know this. There's going to be the end of my life. There's going to be end to my Tic Tacs. But there's never, ever, ever going to be the end of those who fall in love with Jesus because he is the Messiah. Now hear me and I'll wind up. Always at the conclusion of the worship service here, there'll be people who come down. There'll be some standing over here and some standing over here. If you have not received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the Messiah, I plead with you, I plead with you, come and talk to one of these people. Just say, I need help. I have questions. There's something going on in my life. I don't even want to tell you about it, but I need something. I need relief. I need help. I want to know Christ as my Savior. Let them help you. Let them help you. If you want to talk to me, I'll be standing right over there. I'll help you. The greatest decision you will ever make in your life is that single decision. I want Jesus to be my personal Savior and Lord. And I promise you, if you come openly and truthfully before you leave this place today and walk out into that snow, you too can be born again. That's the reason the Bible is a Jesus book. That's why. Would you pray with me just for a second? Father in heaven, how thankful we are that one day in eternity past, the Godhead came together and pronounced Jesus to be the Messiah. And you came, Lord Jesus, to seek and to save that which was lost, of which all of us have been there. I pray, Father, that you would reach out today and touch every person listening online or sitting here this morning and to let us, to know, let us know that you love us, that you came for us, and that each one of us can come into a personal relationship with you. You have been listening to a message from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. For more information and audio content, visit us at whitefieldschurch.com. Make sure to tap the subscribe button if you would like to have new messages delivered to your device every week when they are released. 
If you have been blessed by this message and would like to support our ministry, you can do so by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or by giving a donation to our church on our website at whitefieldschurch.com.